Welcome to With Heart and Wonder. This is a place for us to explore heart-centered living and to celebrate what it means to live with wonder, with awe and appreciation for the possibilities that are within us and around us. I'm Megan Johnston, and I am truly so honored and excited that you are here. Let's dive in and journey together. This is episode 24 of With Heart and Wonder. Today's interview features my dear friend, Lena Alvarez. I am constantly in awe of her passion for creation, her creativity, and her involvement in the community. Lena brings so much intentional design to her life, I knew I had to have her on the podcast. In this episode, we talk about design thinking, the difference between design and planning, how personality tests can help us understand ourselves better, and how to lead a life that embraces possibility. Welcome, Lena. I am so excited to to have you here today and, and for our chat. And um, as we kind of hinted at in the introduction, I'm really excited to chat more with you about design and uh, planning and ambition and how all of these things fit together in our lives. And so to get us started, it would just be so wonderful if you could orient us with who Lena is, a little bit of your story and how you came to where you are in this particular moment in time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. I definitely have heard some great guests, so being invited feels incredible. So a little bit about me, my name is Lena Alvarez. I'm originally from Ecuador, that's where I lived till I was eight, and I grew up in Vancouver. I went to university at McGill, so I moved to Montreal for a bit, and then I came here to Ottawa because um, my career kind of has took me towards the international business and international relations space. And then funnily enough, when I came to Ottawa, I, actually, I also discovered these circles of entrepreneurial people um, in the health and wellness space, but also in tech and different areas. So now what I've done is I kind of have one foot in the international business space through work, and then also through the entrepreneurial health and wellness space through the people that I've met. Um, I do teach bar fitness classes. That's how we met originally. It sure is. (laughs) And then, yeah, I also work in international business. Yeah. And I mean, you, you just said it, but like really... There's, there's like those people that we look to sometimes who are just like really involved. And I feel like, like you are the perfect example of one of those people. Like if there is, um, you know, uh, like a, a hackathon happening in the city, or if there is like, uh, like a pitch event or an entrepreneurial thing, like, I feel like you are there and you're talking about it and you're like, you really, I think embrace and, and when I think of you, I think of someone who has really, um, leaned into this like place of like always learning and the excitement of of always learning um and I feel like that's brought you to some really interesting spaces so like I know that we were talking about this the other day that like you are not for instance like uh like a professional expert in design thinking but both me and my partner Eric like when we think of design thinking like your face comes to mind because you've participated in so many different initiatives and programs and courses and all of these different things and so we chatted a little bit about kind of this 
like diving in to some of the differences between designing and planning and having a bit of a conversation around that. So why don't we start off with like, what is design thinking and design and how does that differ from planning? Yeah, totally. So design thinking is this concept where you're actually iterating a process. So when a lot of planning tends to be linear, you know, this is the start, this is the end, this is what we're going to do. It's set in stone. Design thinking really focuses on understanding, exploring, and then materializing whatever solution you're trying to come to. And then what's incredible about it, which I love, is that it's really a circular process. So you're never going to say, okay, we're done, like, let's put it aside. But as you learn and you discover more things, then you pivot and you go in different directions. So that's why I've been so drawn to it because my life has drawn me in so many different directions. Like you heard a little bit in the intro, like all the different places that I've lived to, lived in. Um, but I've also had just like such diverse work experiences too. Like I was a flight attendant. Um, now I've worked in kind of this international affairs space. I did not know you were a flight stuff. attendant. Yeah. Really? How long was that for? That was for two years uh, while I was an undergrad. And that was like totally a moment of kind of, of pivoting in my life. Um, so I had to like find a way to make school work for me financially while I was away. And something that I decided to do was take a year off. And then during that year off, I was like, I want to do something really cool. Like, I guess I'll just put my name forwards to be a flight attendant and like, we'll see what happens. And then it ended up happening. And it was a really, really cool experience. Did you fly back and forth like on the like Central America or um, like the Latin America or South America routes or? Yeah, that was most of the work um, that I did because it was a company that uh, would do a lot of the vacation charters. So it was always people going down south during the winter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that must have been really interesting because you didn't share in the introduction, but you're at the same time, like during university, you were studying Latin American studies. Yeah, exactly. And so I totally interrupted you, which I'm sorry. I was just in so much like, oh, I didn't know this part no, of no, your no, story. You didn't, you didn't interrupt me at all. <laughs> but yeah, but you were saying, you were, you were telling us a little bit about um, the fact that in your own experience, like going between different jobs um, has kind of drawn you and, and fit into this interest that you've developed in design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I ended up doing these types of jobs that I never really had planned for, but they just kind of expose me to different skills that are needed or like different processes and then that's where I kind of fell into like the understanding part of uh, design thinking which was understanding myself and understanding what I did like and what I didn't like and then that's also where kind of my choice in like my studies came in so when I started in undergrad I wanted to be a dentist I was like I'm gonna be a dentist I really just like love science that's where I used to be And then as I started taking classes, I actually realized that the classes I was most drawn to were actually either about Latin American history, uh, literature, um, and that was also like a rediscovery of my culture for me because my parents are from Ecuador. So then that helped me also go in that direction and follow those discoveries of things that started to interest me. And then that opened possibilities to everything else that has happened in my life. And that's another thing that comes in with design. It's all about diverging and then converging so opening it up to a million possibilities and then when you find that one thing that really sparks your interest and lights your heart on fire coming back into it exploring it more and constantly going through that opening and closing uh process of different possibilities oh that is so cool i am 
Okay, so I have participated in a design thinking workshop once, just once. Um, it was when I was working at Carleton University and we were doing some kind of reprogramming and um, it was so cool. And I remember that idea of like really opening up the field of possibility, like letting it become really expansive. And then from there, starting to kind of bring it back and notice the patterns that were emerging and, and where we wanted to take it. But for someone who is the, these words, design thinking are totally new. Could you give us like if, if there's one that comes to mind, an example of like what or like walk us through, like what would it what would it look like or, or what's an example you've used or seen used with design thinking in the past like and and how how does that work mm -hmm. so maybe I can speak about um, when I actually spent a semester in Panama doing environmental research so I ended up working on a project for this the national park that is there and they had made a trail for people with disabilities so when they made the trail they actually did not use design thinking so it was that sort of linear planning of we have this grant, we wanna create this trail, this is what's happening, the trail is done, like check mark. And then they realize that, you know, people aren't really coming, they're not really using it. And then that's kind of where the design thinking process comes in. So the first thing that could have happened in that situation was actually understanding the user's needs. So part of my project was actually um, evaluating if the trail was actually accessible or not. And in that process, we realized, for example, the only way to access the washrooms are with a bunch of stairs. The railings that they used weren't even able to bear any weight. So little things like that where you're like, you didn't think about the user. So you need to understand your user. That's step number one. And then the next step would be exploring the possibilities. So for that project, for example, I thought, okay, we have this trail. What's something that we can do to make it even more inclusive for people? So I realized that there's a way to create kind of like a virtual tour where the voice recordings are activated based on like the geography of where you're standing. So I actually helped them create a tour where they recorded everything about the trail and then somebody would just have to walk through and then that started to create possibilities for maybe people who are visually impaired and aren't able to read all the different types of displays that are along the trail. That is so cool. Yeah, exactly. So then that takes us to like the materialize and like making it a reality where it was like, all right, I understand what people need to actually be able to use this. I'm going to explore the different things that we can do and then materialize it by actually creating something that answers to their needs. That is so cool. I really love that example. So I love that example that you just gave in terms of thinking about community. Uh, but I also knew that when we were chatting the other day, you were talking a little bit about the difference between like design thinking and linear planning when it comes to our own lives and the ways that you're kind of exploring this in your own life right now. So let's talk a little bit about that. And maybe if you can share like some of the ways in which we can use design thinking when it comes to our lives. So again, it comes down to those three principles, understand, explore, and then materialize. So I feel like when I was younger and I had just graduated from university, let's say, I really did not know myself. Like if somebody were to ask me, you know, like, Lena, what are your strengths and your weaknesses? I probably would have given them the Google ones, like what to say in an interview. But I really feel like I was not connected to myself at all. So I feel like to really be able to design a life that like is fulfilling and like true to your values, you have to understand yourself like first and foremost. 
And something that I've discovered that like has given me a great lens to do that are all those different personality tests. So okay. I'm not sure if you're familiar maybe with like the Myers-Briggs or the Enneagram. Um, yes. And now types. I just want to know like all of your types. Give them to me. Okay. So I'm an ENTP. I'm an Enneagram 3. Um, what other tests are there? I'm a Capricorn with a Sagittarius rising. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And that's the thing with these tests, like they're not a diagnosis of who you are, but they give you a lens through which to explore what your values are and like what is important to you. Like, who am I? Like really understanding who you are. And honestly, I think for me, it was at least like a two year process before I really found that like confidence of being like, I know exactly who I am. I know what's important to me. I know what I want in my life. So that's like step one, understand. I want to ask you a question about that. What was one of like the biggest realizations for you or kind of like a shadow area of your own personality that was illuminated as you were kind of in that internal learning process of going through those tests? So I've always been really driven um, kind of by like ambition and success. Type three? Yes. (laughs) So when I moved to Ottawa, I moved here with this vision being like, I'm going to work at the Department of Foreign Affairs. I'm going to become an ambassador. I'm going to be the greatest ambassador ever. Like, that's what I have to do. I have to do. I have to do. And then slowly as I started to just like understand my interests better, I kind of started to get these like little like thoughts creeping in being like, I don't know if I actually want to do this. Like, I don't know if it's right for me. And it was really hard for me to let go of that because that ambition was like, no, but you moved here for that. Like you have to accomplish it and you have to be the best. And then through those tests, I was able to realize like, you know what? I'm actually like a very um, like creative person. Like I like starting new things. I like like pursuing opportunities that don't really have a direction. And that just isn't necessarily always the case in the career with diplomacy. So it took me a while, but eventually like through that understanding of like what I actually want to spend my days doing, I was able to kind of like release myself from that like ambition chokehold almost of like, there's only one way and there's only one plan. And like, I absolutely need to keep pursuing that. That's really beautiful. I feel like this actually illuminates many of the reasons why, um, why I think we have like really similar worldviews and values because I am an ENFP and I am a four wing three. And I'm guessing you're probably a three wing four. Oh, I don't remember my wing. Oh my gosh. I bet you it is. I'm going to go do it after. I bet you it is too because of like the creativity possibility. So for those not familiar with the Enneagram, I think most people are familiar with Myers-Briggs from work or school, but the the Enneagram, um, there's nine different types and it's it's just like such a rich, complex system. Uh, The three, which Lena's talking about, is often talked about as kind of like the achiever or the performer, very driven as she, she mentioned. Well, you can probably describe it better than I can since it's your type. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Enneagram 3s are generally people that, again, like very driven by like success, by like starting new ideas, by making things a reality. Yeah, yeah. And then Enneagram 4s are very driven by making meaning of things. So they tend to be like artists and very creative and want to like, mm, like tap into like the complexity of emotions and the world in in what they're doing. So I mean, there's so much more to both of these types and and so many books, we're gonna have an Enneagram episode later. So we can, you can wait for that. Okay, so we, we did a little sidetrack there, and you were walking us through applying the three principles to, yeah, so we did one. Tell us about two and three in terms of applying design to our life. 
Yeah, absolutely. So the second principle is around exploring. So now that you've done the research, now that you understand where you want to focus on or the things that drive you, you want to try to prototype um, these experiences that you want to create. So for example, something that I've done, and like you mentioned it earlier in the episode is the hackathons. So as I started to think like, oh, I would really love to be involved in like strategic design um, in that type of work, like how can I get into it? Going to a hackathon and being able to experience um, that environment of kind of like working together with people, we need to produce something at the end of two days. That was a way for me to prototype it. And I realized like when I'm in these situations, I am in my flow. Like I love the ping pong, the back and forth of like possibilities where we're like, okay, wait, what if, and then everyone's just like, yes, like that's exactly what we can do. And then that was like a way for me to kind of be like, yeah, you know what? I am going in the right direction. Like again, to diverging and converging, like I diverged trying to think of, okay, what type of careers would fit my values and my interests. And now I'm converging back to this like design strategy one through the prototypes that I was able to do. That is really neat. I love that you you're, you have that scientist mind and that like design mind of like, like, oh, wow, I'm interested in this. I am going to go experiment and see if I like it, which is, is, is so cool. And I feel like we could, so many of us could learn from that because I think sometimes we have these ideas or visions of what we think we want. And then we kind of just kind of sit on the couch and, and daydream about it um, and wonder like if only, or sometimes we jump right into it and realize it was not the right you know, path to take. Um, so that is so cool. I'm thinking because I know what a hackathon is in part because, um, my partner Eric is really interested, um, in kind of design as well. Um, and, and, um, he works in like IT and, and that whole, whole thing. But I'm sure there's lots of people who don't know what a hackathon is and they're just thinking that everyone's sitting around trying to, to hack into something. Can you tell us a little bit about the hackathon process? And, um, and, and I know you've shared a bit, but like what it's been like to participate in those. Yeah, totally. So I think, the hackathons definitely started out being very technically based, like with coding, but now it's more drawing towards that idea of um, crowdsourcing. So you're bringing people together. So usually this would happen um, on a weekend and it's usually around a theme. So for example, I participated in one called Just Hack and that one was about social justice and like helping NGOs come up with solutions. Then I participated in one called um, Space Apps, which was sponsored by NASA. So it was about coming up with different types of like solutions and ideas for space discovery and knowledge. And then it's pretty scary. Like the first time I did it, like I had to pump myself up and this is everything that I do. You know, you got to be your own cheerleader being like, yes, you can do it. Just try it out. Just prototype it. Just see how it feels. And you just show up the day of, you don't know absolutely anyone at all. You start to talk to people, you start to form your teams, decide what project you want to work on. And then you spend the next 48 hours literally just trying to produce something that you can pitch at the end and show the judges compared to what everyone else came up with. And it's such an incredible experience because you get to know people in like such a deep level because you're in a room together, you have to find out about their work ethic, what their skills are, you know, all of a sudden you realize like, okay, you're, you're really good with coding. Like you're going to be the coding person. Like, oh, you're really good with presentations. You're going to be your pitch person. So you develop so many skills and discover so many um, different abilities in such a short period of time that really helps you bond with the people. 
I feel like it's got to be on my list. I'm really interested in them, actually. And so I, I, one of the things that I think is is really cool about them is exactly as you said, this opportunity to bring people together from different fields and different ways of thinking. And to just, because sometimes we get really almost like siloed in our own kind of lane and our own, we're like around people that are similar to us. And it's so, I love like the generative possibilities that come out of like group work in particular and I feel like it's just such a really beautiful way and like you said too like the crowdsourcing element of just like I think sometimes we get lost about like how we can make a difference in the world and and then sometimes we feel like it it has to all be on us or we have to have all of the answers but what's so cool is when we come together and we all bring our expertise to the table. Yeah, exactly. I have another really good example of that that happened um, in an experience that I had. So I actually spent a year working at the Department of Foreign Affairs with the consular team. And when I was hired, we didn't like they didn't tell me like, okay, we're hiring you to do this job. This is exactly what needs to happen. It was just kind of like, oh, we need to come up with a new consular strategy to help Canadians abroad. So the consular services are the people that kind of help Canadians that are traveling and get into trouble. So then I, my background has actually been more in like the business side of things, especially with like my entrepreneurial activities. So when I started working with them, I kind of just like through my business lens, I was like, hey, like all of these Canadians are clients, like we're offering them services. Why don't we explore their consular client journey and try to figure out where the service delivery might um, be missing or like what types of things they're experiencing. And then that mixture of like business and then policy was super unique and actually like helped us create something that was nominated for like an innovation award. And at the end of it, kind of the motto that we all came up with was like at the heart of every consular case is a Canadian. So it really is all about like human centered policymaking or ideas or um, solutions. Like that's super important in design as well. So we've talked about step one and step two as we apply them to um, our, whether it's like a big project or into our life. Let's talk about step three. Yeah, exactly. So step three is materialize. Like, all right, let's make this a reality. Like, let's take what I learned from my exploration that is giving me the signs that I'm going in the right direction and make it happen. And then for me right now, that's actually going to be pursuing a master's degree in strategic design. So I'm going to be enrolling in uh, the Parsons School of Design virtually in September. And then that is really my way of kind of saying, you know what, I followed the signs and now I'm going to try to make this strategic design like career really happen for myself. And I think that that's something that anybody can apply. So like, for example, I know that with the rise of like technology, a lot of people are kind of thinking like, oh, maybe I should go back to school and really focus on computer science or things of that sort. So You could understand how your previous skills could fit into that. You can explore it and prototype it by doing things like using uh, websites like Free Code Camp, where you can teach yourself. Um, That's something that's really important about prototypes too. It's like, usually we call them low fidelity. So you don't want to invest a ton of time because the whole idea is that you just want to glimpse and then pivot. So by doing that, then you can realize like, hey, you know what? I actually do love this like software coding. I am going to materialize it and now become a coder. So you can apply it to really like absolutely anything that you want to do. It's all about understanding, exploring, materializing. 
You are such a good teacher. I love, I was just going to repeat the three signs and you did, or steps and you did it ahead of me. So understand, explore, materialize. So if we wrap this all back and you said something really interesting the other day when we were talking, you said designing your life is about not planning anything at all. And that was so interesting to me because I think we equate this idea of design and planning together. So if we come back to the idea of planning, what are some of the differences between designing and planning? And then like what, like like unpack this statement for us that like designing your life is actually about not planning anything at all. Yeah, I think I would go back to that differentiation from like planning uh, being linear and designing being more circular. So accepting the pivots that start to come up in your life. So if I had stuck to my plan of moving to Ottawa, becoming a diplomat, becoming an ambassador, it would have closed me off to so many of the other experiences that I've recently had. So really like following those pivots and kind of following the, we call it the iterations, like iterating on different possibilities. So that's really what I meant by, uh, by that. I love that. It, it, was, it, it was such a beautiful quote and it really stuck with me because I think, um, a lot of people, and, and I definitely identify with being that type of person, and I think you do too, like that type of person who, well, yes, you just shared, like, you know, like you have like the plan and everything is, um, and I grew up that way, like, and it was the plan felt safe, like, and I really do think that we plan as a way of, of trying to shield ourselves against some of the fears that we have, and that planning is is our, our coping mechanism for that. And then for me, like when I ended up leaving school at the age of 19, which we talk about in in episode one, like that was like my, oh my gosh, I've been planning and planning and planning, but I've lost myself in the process. And I've lost like connection, um, connection. and, And I think if I were to use the design thinking terminology, like I've lost my understanding. And in relation with that, like there, I, I, I've been so busy and so packed that I've actually gotten rid of any spaciousness to explore like the there didn't there weren't those possibilities there anymore and then when I returned to this sense of like oh my when I left school and was like wow like there is this expansiveness and possibilities that felt so overwhelming because I had been so disconnected from that and I remember when I listened to that episode I was just I think I was also going through a time where I was like I don't really know what to do next because COVID is starting and like I don't know what's going to happen. I want to pursue these master's degrees, but I don't even know if I can move. Can I afford it? And like just listening to your story as well and like hearing your like your pivot and your iterations of like different aspects of your life was just such a relief and like a reminder of like you know this this isn't a linear process. Like it's it's circular. There's going to be like different like Ferris wheels that we go on in life. And at the end of the day like looking backwards, it all makes sense. But looking forward, sometimes it's really hard to see how it's all going to come together. Yes, you're so right. I feel like a lot of people can identify with, you know, having plans and then, and sometimes like reaching a destination and then getting there and realizing that that actually didn't feel, didn't feel aligned. It's been so cool chatting because one of the things that has really stood out is how often you use the word possibility. And I love that so much because it is one of my very favorite words. And I think it's a word that we talk about on the podcast a lot because 
I think it really relates to this idea of heart and wonder and it this idea of like opening ourselves up to curiosity and um, of exploring really like that step two um, is is what that's all about and then also realizing that it is then possible to take action and to materialize again in the design thinking language and I think there is this relationship and and I don't know I, I I'm actually curious to talk about it a little bit like for me there is this relationship between tapping into the possibilities and that having like in my own experiences as someone who is so grounded in embodied work and like like wellness spaces again like that tapping into possibilities for me has to come from a, like a space of like alignment and like groundedness and centeredness if we're able to get there and i think if we were to go back um i mean i i think sometimes I was just talking about fear. Like if we're in a, a more of a fear-based driven state, if we're in a state where um, where things are stressful, where we're going from one thing to another, like it's, it's a lot harder to tap into like the creative possibilities that are around us. So I'm really curious about about how that factors into design and and also your approach to design as someone who I know is really grounded in wellness and personal development and, and that whole sphere as well. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm totally going to go super cheesy here and remind us of a quote, uh, which I'm sure has come up a lot, which is kind of like, feel the fear and do it anyways. And that's 100% it. Like, you're going to feel fear whenever you're trying out any of these new things, because you're stepping into the unknown. And like, our brains, like biologically, are just designed to have that fear in place to protect us yes. from any danger, unexpected danger that might come up. So I think for a long time, like, that feel the fear into it anyways, I kind of did it from a place of like anger towards myself of like, you have to try it out. Like, just do it. Like, forget about Push like, how you feel. Yeah, exactly. And I know that one of our friends, like Ashley always talks about uh, being compassionate to yourself. So kind of being that cheerleader and being like, you know what, this feels really scary. I, and like kind of what you were saying too, like grounding yourself, like I feel it in my body. I feel it in my mind. I'm going to go through with it. And again, just with an open mind, open heart, and wonder what could happen if I do take that step and overcome the fear. And it's something that like happens to me all the time. Like we're both in these wellness spaces. And a little while ago, like anytime I go to a new gym, I feel terrified. Like I'm so scared because I'm like, I don't know how it's going to work. Like, I don't know where I check in. I don't know what the exercises are going to be like. I don't know if people are going to be like mean. Like, I have no idea what's going to happen. And like, I'm a fitness teacher, right? Like, I'm very aware of my own body. This should not feel scary. But it's just that unknown. And I started to become like friends with that. And that comes back to that understanding of like, I know how I react to fear. I know that it will be okay in the end. I'm just going to accept this process with like an open mind. It, uh, what you were just sharing really brought up for me, um, so I got this necklace. Actually, you just brought up Ashley. And so Ashley Bowden, uh, she's actually going to be on the podcast soon. So you'll get to hear from her. Um, but Ashley Bowden, uh, who is the founder of the Imperfect Boss Movement. Um, and so there's been guests in the past. We've had Tori and Christina and Jess Ekstrom um, are all involved uh, with, with Ashley's work as well. And so um, at camp, we uh, back this fall, we all got necklaces from the um, the creators of Flowdesk, which if you've ever gotten an email from me, I use Flowdesk as my email platform and it's a really cool company 
It was put together by um, two incredible women. And they all, they gave every single person this necklace that said fierce on it. And it was really interesting because that's not a word that I use that often or have in my kind of vernacular. And so I was wearing it a few months ago and um, I was wearing it actually to go and teach a, a yoga class and I had this really great conversation uh, with a local Ottawa yoga teacher Kate Dury and Kate um, was saying like oh like like I like your necklace and I was saying well I didn't know about wearing it today because it says fierce and I just to me it always felt like an aggressive word and it felt like there was something around it that like mm, like it just didn't it didn't feel soft enough for me but I've been thinking Kate and I had this really beautiful conversation about fierce compassion and the, and like bringing the two together. And I, and so it's really been in my heart the last few months is this idea of fierce compassion. And specifically, I think of it, um, I'm really into thinking about like reparenting right now and the ways in which that we can give ourselves. So this isn't to say that like our parents did anything wrong. It's just to say that like we all have that part of us that still feels like a scared child. And how can we like be the parent to that inner child that that child needs? And so I am really into kind of thinking about like the ways in which I can with fierce compassion take care of myself and make sure that I'm showing up to do the things that are are best for me and are go like in the interest of my well-being. And so sometimes that means like you said, sometimes it means like going to a new gym even though it's terrifying. Sometimes it's like making sure I brush my teeth before I go to bed when I'm feeling really tired, but it's that like um that like reparenting and the fierce compassion and and so I think of you, you know, um I hope it's okay that I share this, but like even when we we hopped on the call like feeling a little nervous today and then feeling like, you know, but like these are the ways that I'm like holding space for myself and you talking about like going to the hackathon and feeling really nervous about that and I'm sure there's nerves too with starting this incredible new master's program this journey I know when I went to back to school to do to start my master's which I didn't finish but when I did do that I like was so nervous about going back to school but it's like how do we hold space for ourselves anyways right yeah exactly and I love what you were saying about kind of like combining two unlikely things together because that's kind of a technique that's often used in the ideation like in the exploring part of design so this like this would be more let's say like if you wanted to come up with an idea for a concept so maybe somebody would be like okay mix ikea and a zoo and then come up with a way to like make uh, do groceries that's better so i love that you're like design is something that happens in all of us but we don't always like put it underneath that framework so I loved hearing that you've actually been doing that all along and uh it sounds so that like it sounds like a game what you just did you know like so fun and I remember the design thinking and I think this is like a very common I'm not sure if it's always done practice in design thinking but is like the post-its all over the wall and like um it's like I think it can be a really fun process and exploring can be fun and there's this sense of like like you said that like the planning the planning just gets in the way of that. Whereas the design thinking actually creates an openness and spaciousness to our lives for like unexpected doors to open. And it's such a playful process, which is what I love so much because what, like now that I know myself too, I'm like, I love people who are like creative and fun and like see possibilities. And like whenever I'm around people that are so like 
this is how things have to be done. Like, you know, very rigid, like it just does not resonate with me. Like it's difficult to me to like find a connection. So being able to like create these playful environments where some people like start to rediscover again, maybe that playfulness from childhood that we were talking about. It's like really fulfilling for me. I really, really enjoy it. So if someone is feeling really inspired and like, wow, I want to learn more, do you have any kind of favorite resources, whether they're books or talks or or whatever that people could explore? And also, or even like any tips for them to start to think about like how they could integrate some of this design thinking into their lives? Yeah, absolutely. I would say the foundation is understanding yourself. So you know, wherever you are in that journey, just make sure that you have those like check-ins with yourself. And then um, in terms of resources, so IDEO is one of the big um, consulting firms that has really gone in this whole direction of human-centered design, design thinking, which often are used interchangeably because um, humans are really at the center of this whole process. Um, So that's a really, really great resource. And then from that, there's actually a book called Design Your Life by Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. I have that on my bookshelf and I like have started reading it and it looks so good. I just, you know how sometimes you're not meant to read the book yet? Like, like it like, and, and that's happened with me sometimes with books where I have them and then I, I end up reading them two years later, but it's at exactly the right time, but it looks fabulous. Yeah. And like in that um, book, like one of the most useful exercises, there's one called odyssey planning and you can google it and it will come up with just the exercise for that and it's around that quick prototype that exploration um point where you kind of lay out like four different possibilities of your life and then you try to like imagine yourself actually living that life how does it feel how does it resonate with you does it really fit in with that understanding for yourself and then using that can help you decide if it really is what you want to materialize or maybe it's one of the different options within that. So I definitely recommend that Odyssey planning exercise. That's so neat. When you did it, what were some of the things? Do you remember what came up yeah, for you? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, so one life is supposed to be like, okay, this is like my life now as it is. Then the other one's supposed to be like, okay, if plan A didn't work, this is plan B. Then the other one's like, if anything is possible, like what would happen? And then I forget what the fourth one is, but there's different possibilities. And I actually did it with a friend and we were like sharing each other's lives. And so mine was kind of like, okay, staying on this path of living in Ottawa, doing entrepreneurial things on the side. And the second option was, you know what, going straight towards strategic design, like quitting my job, just becoming a consultant in strategic design, like following it 100%. Then the third was around bar and I called it become an international bar star because I do love teaching bars. So it was, you know, quit my job start a YouTube video, like literally become a famous bar teacher. And you have a very prominent social media account, the bar jar. Yeah, exactly. And then the last one was like, quit absolutely everything, move to Spain and just read books and like not talk to anyone. And my friend actually highlighted, she was like, these are like just very siloed lives, you know, like it's just, I think that there's a way for you to actually take aspects of each of these like possibilities and weave them together as opposed to going to those silos. And I was just like, that is so that like, it was so valuable for her to give me that insight and that feedback because that's exactly what design is about. It's about not getting stuck in the silos and integrating different disciplines that really create impact and purpose. What a gift that is. I, I am always, like in awe and so grateful 
for those people in our lives who can kind of, you know, and I think that's why when we were talking about before, like the power of coming together in a group, like in the hackathons or, but the power of like having, having these conversations, um, not like definitely with yourself and understanding and exploring yourself, but then other people can see things that we don't see. And that is, is such a beautiful gift your friend gave you. I feel like in terms of, of the way to weave things together and to, to think in a whole new way. Exactly. And, you know, we talk about feedback and that's a huge part of the design thinking process as well. And incorporating that feedback to then iterate and try different things. Um, So like, I think that's why it's really important to have these open conversations with people that you really connect with, whether it's like a partner or a friend, but being open to their perceptions and their insights. Like, I know, I think sometimes we try to like shield ourselves and protect ourselves but it can be so incredibly valuable when we do hear that outsider perspective of where we think our life is going in comparison to like our values and what we do want to draw from them. Yeah, yeah. And just that that creative. I'm actually working on a little new project right now. And um, one of the exercises, which is one I'd done before, but was reaching out to um, like five people in my life and asking them to identify my strengths and talents. And, and it's always really neat, like what people say and what they think and um like anytime I've done that in the past it's been like it really illuminates me and and myself in a different way which is and then that that feedback that they're giving me like then it's all part of that creative process in in illuminating other possibilities it's so neat that made me think of um Another test that like I really liked is called the Clifton Strengths Finder I love that yeah it's amazing yeah. And I just, it's so positive. It's, it, and again, that's it why I like it. Compassion of like the whole idea is that, you know, why would you spend your time trying to build skills that you're not good at when like you can just go full speed towards your strengths and like see what beautiful things like materialize from following what comes naturally to you and like. It's just amazing. I love it. Yeah, no, I uh, I really like that one. I used to use it a lot with young people because I think like like sometimes the like I remember doing Myers Briggs in high school and like I don't know. There's something about it that just I it it just isn't as positive. Whereas like the Clifton Strength Finder is just like it just makes you feel really good about the strengths that you do have, which I think is is so so beautiful. What so, was uh, your top strength? Oh, my, um, my, my number one is actually, well, and I, I did the test and then I also have gone through the process in a way of just like reading through and thinking and identifying. So I don't remember when I did the test, but it was in my top five, but the one that I identify with is connection. Yeah, absolutely. And when I think about you, I'm like, that's exactly what comes to mind. Like, it's it's how I view the world. Yeah. And, and, and it's, um, it's what made me when I was there, like a good academic was like connecting ideas and that sort of thing. So yeah, what was yours? Um, mine was futuristic. So that whole mm. idea of what if, like, could we do this? Like, could, could things be done a different way? And again, like now that I understand that, I'm like, this totally makes sense. Like why I want to pursue this strategic design path. Exactly. Because it's totally aligned with who I am. Like I understand finally, like what I have to offer the world. Uh, and I'm really happy that I'm able to like, take myself in that direction. And like, I do want to say that, who knows, maybe three years from now, I'll be like, design is absolutely not for me. Like I'm going in a completely different direction. And that's totally fine. Like that's part of the process. And it's a possibility. 
and what a beautiful gift you are offering to the world. I I truly think that the world is a better place with you in it, and I mean that with my very whole heart. As we wrap up, are there any kind of like last thoughts you'd like to leave people with? I know that they can find you on on Instagram as well, um, your bar jar account as well as um, your personal account. Yeah, you can definitely find me online um, on Instagram at the Lena Lena. And I guess something that I do want to leave people with is in the whole exploration phase that you're at, you need other people because we can't live every single life that we want, but we can crowdsource experience and insights from other people. So I'm like the queen of like cold reaching out to people on email, on LinkedIn, and just being like, hey, I'm really interested by this. Like, do you mind um, or do you have some time to like chat about it and tell me a little bit about your path? So I would say definitely really exploring and being open to those possibilities of drawing inspiration and insights from other people is definitely something that I recommend. Thank you so much, Lena. This conversation was so life-giving and exciting and filled with possibility, I think, the word of the word of our conversation today. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I always find so much inspiration from the podcast, so it really means a lot. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. As always, it is truly such a honor to have you here with us. I'm always interested to hear what you think, so please feel free to reach out. You can find me on Instagram at Megan L. Johnston or on my website, MeganJohnston.com for all the information about me and to sign up for my newsletter. We'll be back next Tuesday with our next episode. In the meantime, keep living with heart and wonder.